The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all on this Saturday morning. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Don. Obviously, I guess the big financial news uh, this past week has been coming from south of the border, which is probably good. Um, but <laughs> we're seeing banks that are having tough times, some going under, some freezing funds, what have you. Uh, and Canadians are concerned that this could spread not only in the U.S. because whatever they do affects us, but could also happen up here. But we've got a much different system here, don't we? No, from from a a buffer standpoint, the reserves that the Canadian banks have to keep to protect us, they were actually shoring this up with the higher interest rates also, just in case people start defaulting on loans. So we've been ahead of the curve and just our conservative nature and the rules to the banks is a little bit more conservative. And yeah, it's it, it makes everybody aware what's going on. And these interest rates have an impact because, you know, if you put your money in long-term bonds, those bonds could be down 10 to 20% because of interest rates rising. And this is what's happening in the banks. They think they're being safe. They got a, a reserve, but the reserve has gone down in value. So they had to have funds into that reserve. And then, of course, human nature, as soon as they smell blood, they want to take the money out really quick. And that only adds adds fuel to the fire. So Canadian banks are on far better footing. And when, thankfully, we've never had an issue like that. Even going back to the financial crisis in 08, 09, Canadian banks were considered the safest place in the world at that time. And it's interesting because many remember that in 08, 09 and the the issues that happened in the United States and mortgage rates and so on. Um, and I, I think many thought that that was behind them and that they had corrected that, but clearly not the case. Yeah, yeah. This uh, doubling of interest rates in a short period of time, like what has happened. Um, I don't know. Nobody predicted this. And so, yes, it's uh, affected some of these. And, and again, look at the U.S., how fragmented their banking system is. Like most people mm-hmm. would have never even heard of this bank. Yeah, so, the regional. Mm-hmm. It's so regional. And so Canadian banks, they're, you know, we have our six large, large banks. And then a lot, even our small banks are very, are, are quite well funded. All right. Yeah, you, make uh, point, you, make, you make a good no, point go ahead, there, John. John. But just about the about the SVP bank um, or SBB, SVB bank, uh, you know, it, it, we didn't have exposure necessarily from our banking standpoint. But then a lot of our clients were wondering or a lot of listeners may be wondering, you know, what was their exposure in their portfolios? Right. Did we own this mm-hmm. bank? Um, you know, a lot of people have U.S. funds, have U.S. Uh, U.S. mutual funds or, or ETFs in, in the U.S. So uh, looking at our client's perspective, we had very little exposure, if if none at all, to to this bank. Um, but there were some investments out there that did have exposure to it. So, yeah, just uh, wouldn't wouldn't hurt to look or, or talk to your advisor and, and see if you've got exposure to it or not. And and at the end of the day, that's why we diversify, too. Yeah, you know, if you, it's far better of a hundred companies, and if one happens to get into trouble, you still got ninety nine to hold hold up your portfolio. All right, yep. so Jay wants us uh, wants to start us on a uh, a real uplifting. Get your tea and your crumpets ready. Here it comes. Um, what happens when we die? Now, are we talking about finances still here, Jay? What direction? Yeah, we're talking a little here? bit about finances, but right. you know, it's it's funny during the last last couple of weeks, Don and I've been running around with uh, RSP season and sitting down with clients and, and going 
through the, those comprehensive plans with our clients, things have brought to our attention. Um, and a lot of people don't have their wills. And some of our clients that we've been nagging for years and years uh, either have come to us in the last little while and said, Jay, finally, I've got my will done. Um, you'd be so proud of me. And, you know, only asking them for 10 years to get it done. And they finally got it done. But a lot of people don't have wills. Um, in Canada, over 41% of married couples don't have wills. And over 56% of singles don't have wills. So let's call it 50% of our population doesn't have a will. So when you die without a will, it's called intestate. And your wishes are not necessarily followed the way you want them to be followed. The government steps in and they're governed uh, by the provincial rules. So you may have wishes what you want to happen to your estate, but if you don't have a will, that doesn't happen. The government decides how that's going to be distributed. Most times it goes to the surviving spouse, but if you don't have a surviving spouse, then it then it gets a little bit messy. So you really want to make sure uh, for, for single people, for sure, you want to make sure you got your wills and power of attorney in place, but uh, even for married people with kids and, and assets, you want to make sure that's in place. So like I said, during our speeches, we had a lot of people come in, uh, a lot of meetings, going through through plans and there's a couple uh scenarios that i want to go through that that people brought to my attention that i i I thought that listeners would find entertaining as well as uh thought-provoking so i had this one one couple come into my office and her 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 mother just passed away not too long ago you know if i can dial it back um she bought a house beside her mother and father about 40 years prior um so when they got married they bought the house next door to their mom and dad um, her sister still lived at home. Father passes away, you know, 20 years ago. Um, the daughter, one daughter is still living at home. The other daughter lives next door, raises her family. The daughter at home never, never ends up having children and ends up taking care of her elderly mom, <clears throat> excuse me, in the, in the late years. And then the mom thought she was doing the right thing once her dad passed away to say, okay, you know what, I'll give all the all the assets to the one daughter that lives next door, and I'll give the house to the daughter that's living in the house. And at the time, those assets were relatively the same, and, and, and the mother thought, well, my investments will grow similar to what my house will grow to, so um, it seems fair. And and that way, it's, a, it's clean, and, and the daughter that's living at home gets the house. Well, fast forward again, 20 years, mother passes away. And she's almost exhausted all of those investments that she had. So all the RSPs are almost gone. TFSAs there is very little, um, and bank accounts there is very little. So she she had lived a good long life and and spent most of her money during her lifetime. But she had this million dollar house that in her will she had deemed to give to the daughter. So mom passes away. They they bring out the will, and the one daughter inherits this million dollar house, and the other daughter inherits. It's about $50 in the bank account or something <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious, but yeah. So now um, the one daughter says, well, that's not fair. You know, mom wanted us to get equal share and that's when it was done. And the one daughter says, well, no, this is what mom wanted. I, I took care of her in the last number of years. So this is what she wants. So now daughter, daughter one lives next door with her family. Daughter two lives in the other, the other house and they don't talk. Oh and this was a loving family, a, a good, good, solid family that they they lived next door and they they had family dinners together every Sunday. And then mom passes away, and now no one talks to each other. So, you know, putting a will in place and making sure that you've identified exactly what's supposed to be happening 
Um, it's good to revisit that well every four or five years just to see that it makes sure that things are going the way they're supposed to. So, hey, yeah. hey, Don, hey, Don, this makes my story look like, uh, you know, a choir, doesn't it? This is hilarious. <laughs> this is unbelievable, Jay, because as I was saying to Don off air, I was together with friends uh, over the weekend who I've known since high school. So it's a bunch of old people all together and we're all having these exact same stories. And it's like, everyone has a tale. It's amazing how common this is. Yeah. And it's not a tale because, <laughs> you know, uh, every, every meeting we have, if you dig deep enough, you come across these things. Like you said, at your, your very entertaining dinner parties that you seem to be having. Having Scott talking about wills <laughs> and estates, uh, maybe the show's rubbing off on you. I don't know. <laughs> who am but, I to uh, talk? About, who am I to talk about your uh, topic choices? Look at my dinner guests. Holy <laughs> smokes! I got to rethink all this. They used to have hair, you know. So yes, everybody's changed, and and the hair wasn't gray. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, time moves on. But you know what? And, and there's certain things, and you hit the nail on the head here, Jay. It's about revisiting. It may, may not have been 50-50, may not have been the right call either, because maybe there's a lot of um, support that one daughter was giving to their mother because they were living together. So equal is not necessarily fair. Right. You have to look right. at the situation. And we go through this all the time. And, re and, and part of our job as a financial planner holistic financial planner is to look at the overall picture and say, okay, let's bring out the wills. And is this really what you want? So mm -hmm. we, we do this on a regular basis. Yeah, no, I absolutely, you know, and a solution to this would have been if they wanted it to be 50, 50, they could have just left the, the entire estate 50, 50, as opposed to deeming certain assets or certain property or uh, so putting in actual assets or account numbers or dollar values is, is a no, no in a will. You want to make sure that you just say, you know, equal split 50, 50. And then what you do is you'd set up a trust agreement to accompany that will. So if you wanted the daughter to live in that house still and remain in the house and not be, you know, kicked out if, if she had to liquidate the house because she has to pay off her other sister um, or the, the sister or the other daughter, um, you know, you can have a trust agreement put in place where you can say, okay, well, the, the, the daughter that lives in the house can live there for up to three years uh, and figure out some kind of financing options or, or sell the house. Um, so you can have all kinds of different arrangements, however you want to word it in that trust agreement that accompanies your will. So I think it's definitely something that, you know, a lot of clients don't don't necessarily look at it and say, well, uh, I just want it to go 50-50. And then they don't actually work it out and say, well, okay, how are they going to actually fund that at that point in time? How are they going to buy that other person out? Um, you know, if they, they don't have the means to do so, how do you do it? So if you don't want them, you know, the, the one daughter selling the house under your feet, you know, as soon as mom passes away, you want to make sure that you have something in place. And a trust agreement's a way, great way to do that. And you and can also include... Yeah, Another thing that really complicates this too, Jay, is that if there are mixed marriages, if there's, you know, if the person has married a couple of times and has various dependents or even a small business and a partner, boy, there, there's a lot of deep water here you got to negotiate through. No, that's, yeah, a, that's, a that's a great segue. Go ahead, Don. Sorry. Blended, blended families add a whole new layer of complications to it. And again, like Jay, you're saying about a trust agreement, we, we've actually recommended this with blended families saying and again and that will gets changed as a relationship gets stronger just to make sure there's no gold digger there and you know you put their assets together and then your situation um that could have been a three-year trust or it could have been a lifetime they get to live in that house as long as they live but again at the time of death it goes to the other daughter or maybe you know their kids so you know there's lots of ways to cut it but it's about what makes the most fairness it doesn't have to be 50 50 it's 
It's what contributions did that person have to their life? And there's a lot of things, factors, and it's just opinion. And money is mm-hmm. it, it, money's emotional. So it's really getting this all out on the table, and transparency is key. Well, it's amazing. Uh, you know what? I was was going to talk about a different topic in the next segment, but I'm going to carry on with this topic in the next segment. But, you know, it's it's really interesting to see how, you know, even the contents of your home, what's valuable to some people, what's not valuable to some others, right? So, oh, mom wants me to have the China. Well, I don't want the China, right? Or whatever it is. So that trust agreement you can put in there, uh, you know, the contents of your home, jewelry, shoes, clothes, collections, whatever you want to put in there and make sure that that trust agreement is said, okay, here's what we want exactly to happen. Um, We don't want this going to Uncle Bob or Uncle Jim because we don't like him anymore, whatever the case may be. But you you can really put your wishes and be very finite on what you want to do. You know, we've heard stories in the past about people putting stickers on on items in the house and saying, well, that's for Joe and that's for Mary. And yes. and, and if you have a trust agreement, there's no there's no switching of the stickers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, really. Someone's been peeling the tape off. This, I can tell. <laughs> Well, who would have? Anyways, thought- the, the 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 bottom line is that you you know you want to sit down and make sure that your your advisor is going through the will with you, and not just your lawyer, but your advisor needs to go through that will with you and make sure that everything's in order in in the event of uh, an event of a death. Well, who would have thunk that what happens when we die would be such a great topic that we're going to carry it over to the next segment? Stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Quick break. You don't want to miss the next one. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. In the first segment, we were talking uh, with Jay's choice of topic, which is what (laughs) happens when we die. And yeah. it turned out to be a bit more informative than what we initially had had poked Jay about. <laughs> so we're going to continue it on. And this is fascinating because we're all talking off air. We've all had this conversation in the last week with friends. So continue on, Jay, about how important it is to have a will. Yeah. So another client came into the office uh, not too long ago, and his father recently passed away. And his father left uh, 40%. He's got two kids. Um, he left 40% to each kid and then left 10% to each of his grandchildren. So he's got two grandchildren. So uh, father had substantial amount of money into his RSPs, almost a million dollars in his RSPs. Um, and he had deemed beneficiaries on those RSPs. So when you deem a beneficiary, those assets transfer to the beneficiary directly. So in the case of RSPs, when not transferring to a spouse, but to kids, um, taxes are payable on those assets. So, he had a million dollars in RSPs. The estate is faced with a $500, $500,000 tax bill. And then the beneficiaries receive that million dollars. So they get $500,000 each. So they thought that was great. Uh, they were voting probate. Um, it was the right thing to do to name beneficiaries on their RSPs. However, 
Um, he had a house worth about 500,000. So they liquidate the house or sorry, about 600,000 after, uh, taxes or sorry, after real estate fees, uh, legal bills, all that kind of stuff. The net estate, uh, because they had a $500,000 tax bill from the RSPs was about a hundred thousand dollars, um, leaving a hundred thousand dollars to be split between the two kids and the grandkids. So the grandkids thought they were going to be getting 150,000. 10% of the $1.5 million estate. And it turns out they're going to get about 10,000 um, because the tax bill. And so the tax bill goes over to the estate and then the estate is settled. So they were getting 10% of whatever the net estate was. The RSPs didn't flow through the estate. So the, the grandkids thought they're getting 150,000. They end up getting $10,000 each. Um, and then the kicker was that the kids, the grandkids are for the one, the one adult child um, or the survivor, surviving child. The other didn't have any kids. So now the one, the one survivor says, well, my kids were supposed to get $150,000. And she's like, well, I don't have any kids. So it doesn't really matter to me. And so she's, they're fighting now because he, he thinks the kids should be getting 150,000 of this money. And that's what his dad wanted to happen. And now they're getting $10,000. So now there's a family squabble over this and the brother and sister aren't talking. So very similar to our other story, a simple gesture in a will to make sure that it's done right or to review that will or sit down with your financial planner and say, okay, what is my estate actually going to look at look like? So, you know, Don and I run these programs where we actually look at what the estate's going to look like. What's the net estate going to be? And then, you know, if, if there's taxes that are going to be payable on this estate, you need to consider that because a lot of people don't. And it, it's just, it's really disheartening to see that, you know, you work your whole life, you save all this money and you, you amass $1.5 million and you think you're going to give it to your grandkids and it's the right thing to do. And it doesn't happen when you're gone. Um, so it's very sad, very sad. There's one you know, thing to have that happen with siblings or members of your family. It's another thing to lose it all to the tax man. Holy oh. smokes awful right you know and it's kind yeah. of interesting jay at the all these stories it's like they all have a common theme they might have you know different circumstances but they all have the same conclusion the, the conclusion is my sister and i are never talking again yeah yeah, yeah. you know or my brother yeah. and i uh, we, we we just don't talk and and that's what ends up happening because they didn't sit down and and do a proper estate plan and for the listeners out there this is what we've said so many times. Do you have a financial advisor or do you have a financial planner? And does that financial planner have a CFP? A certified financial planner is going to go over all this stuff to make sure that you don't have these circumstances right come across down the road. So yeah, extremely important to look at the big holistic picture. And yeah, it's kind of interesting. Day by day, we don't talk about every single meeting about your estate plan, but mm -hmm. we should always have, we, we do check the boxes. And we have a really good idea of what's going on. In fact, I had a client just last week saying, you know what's so great is when we call is that we're not a number. We know who you are. You know, your assistant knows who I am. You always know the situation. I said, absolutely. We know everything about you. And it was it's funny, uh, you know, talking about an estate issue there too. And so we knew going into the conversation, oh yeah, this is, oh, I remember you telling me about that. So again, it, it comes down to a relationship and a trusted advisor is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So had you had your clients had this brochure, Jay, it would have been a lot better. It's called <laughs> Plan for Memories Today and Leave a Legacy for Tomorrow. And basically it's a guide to help you start the wealth transfer conversation. 
And transparency and having this plan would have negated all these issues that you've been talking about because it would have been out in the open. And really, it's having that main reason is the main reason for all these problems. Number one reason is lack of communication and yeah. not talking about it. And just and, and in some cases, just thinking everything was done properly. I have a will. Don't need to look at it anymore. So well, it's, it's almost taboo, right? It's almost taboo for, for you to bring it up at a family discussion because yeah. it gets people really agitated or gets people feeling uncomfortable if you bring it up at a family discussion. Yeah. So bringing it up in front of a financial planner and having that that meeting and having a mediator basically as as the the advisor, I think that's a great system. Uh, bringing your parents into a meeting if if your parents aren't uh, aren't clients, uh, bring them into the meeting and say, hey, what's going on here? What what do, you know, what do we need to do to get this straightened out? Yeah, well, you know, you, you talked about we don't want to talk about what happens when we die as a segment for the show. Who the heck wants to have that conversation around the dinner table? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it, for it, sure. It, it doesn't get better. Okay. Yeah. It's no, far better. No, it in a, doesn't. <laughs> it's it better doesn't. in a regulated situation where everybody's around. And like Jay said, it's a mediator. And it, it and right in this guide, it says, include your children and grandchildren in the process. Involving young children and grandchildren early will teach them critical financial literacy lessons. So they're better prepared to manage the inheritance. That's a so, great idea. So important. And, and 70% of affluent Canadians leaving an inheritance is, is basically what they expect, but only 57 stay there actually reasonably prepared. So call it 50% of these wealthy people are, are prepared. And Jay said that earlier, about half the people have a, have a, uh, have a will. So yeah. there's actually estimated 1.1, and get this, trillion dollars are set to exchange hands across all the generations by 2026, which is only three years away. Mm. So these conversations, and again, yours is on the weekend, Scott, we're all these, us, us boomers are getting there and we're having these conversations, right? Because now we're around 60 and mm-hmm. or older and, and the boomers and, and our parents are all in their 80s and they're at that stage. And this is why we're having these conversations right now. So, you know, so, uh, key considerations to help um, shape your legacy is clearly to find the legacy planning, what it means to you. So you sit down and talk and say, what do you really want to accomplish here? Okay. And, and have these, and again, that's kind of a soft meeting. It's not simply just numbers in this case. It's just trying to find out what they really want to accomplish and make sure that the estate is passed in a very, the most tax effective manner. Now that is something Jay and I and our whole team, we talk about it every meeting. How do you make this as efficient as possible when transferring wealth and making sure, as you mentioned, Scott, the, the taxman doesn't get more than their share. Yeah. Okay. And I've, we found many times where, you know, clients were cut off their nose despite their face, so to speak. They mm-hmm. will transfer the ownership of a house so they can avoid probate. Oh, that's great. So they, they, they moved this $250,000 home into their kids' names, lived there. The house is now worth a million dollars. Now there's a capital gain to pay. They would have mm-hmm. far rather have kept that in the, in the mother or father's name and paid the tax. Uh, paid the uh, probate tax, but right. not the capital gains. Way worse. But again, these are all. The problem is, is they're talking to people, and they and they it's hearsay, or they read an article that doesn't really apply to them, hmm. and they're now saying, okay, we we understand it. S- speak to a CFP. This is where a lot of the mistakes happen, and you know, taking care of special assets like a family business, and vacation properties. And I can't tell you 
how important that cottage discussion is, okay? Uh, one of the most emotional assets going because what is a cottage? It is a memory of all the fun you had with your, your kids when they're growing up and grandkids. And that's what it represents. And how do you pass that legacy on? Well, first thing is, do they really want it? Okay. And have that conversation. And what's the tax bill going to be on this thing? Because it's gone up in value quite a lot, or I'm sure over the years. And how's that tax going to get paid? Are you going to steal from Peter to pay Paul? And literally, that's brothers and brothers there, so to speak. And so you end up leaving the cottage to one sibling, which happened to me last year. And the other, and the other brother didn't get anything. They had the assets and it's a very similar to Jay's situation. They had their investments, but they had whittled down by the time they passed away and the cottage was left to the other person. Very similar situation as Jay was experiencing. So insurance might be an answer. Life insurance is often one way to leave money to one, the one that doesn't want the cottage and the other one gets the cottage. And so this will allow, you know, the taxes to be paid, et cetera. So again, Going through a proper plan is, is we can't say it enough times, right? Mm -hmm. um, address personal items with sentimental value. And I know I can go back to, you know, my mother's situation when her mother passed away or my grandmother passed away. All she cared about was a ring. That was it. And they talked about it all the time. And it turned out she didn't get it. And that's it, it was all about the ring. And I, and funny enough, Scott, on the on the weekend. I had this conversation and, and this person's wife, when her mother passed away, all it was was about the wedding ring going to the granddaughter. It didn't yeah. end up going there. Mm. And, and it, the conversation was always there, but it wasn't put in writing. Mm. And this is what matters. It's what's put down in writing, even though you have the intention to do it. Unfortunately, good intentions literally die upon the death of the person if it's not in writing. It's interesting you should say, and you guys have been talking all morning about, um, you know, making sure that, that the value is adjusted and these things are equal, even though they're all different. I was heard of a, a scenario over the weekend, um, second, third marriage, um, one person much older than the other, and um, they've been living off his money and his estate, and he's getting up there. He, he's over 90 now. And most of his money has been burned up. So the, it, it just now she can live off of her money and in, in her past life and whatever. But the inheritance to the inheritance to the kids is virtually nothing. And yeah. this is a reasonably well to do family. So it's like it's bizarre how just a marriage, a second or third marriage can just turn this whole thing upside down. Yeah, I have a great example of that not too long ago where. Um, you've got two, you know, second marriage or third marriage or whatever it is. And what you do is you set, set the property up, let's say the, the house, you set that up as um, uh, tenants in common or, or joint tenants, depending on how you want to structure. But so if that, if you pass away, the house goes to the other spouse, but then in your will, both of you, not, not just a trust agreement would, would work, but your will, what you could do is deem that all the other kids split that estate from that point forward. So you know, just dial it back a bit. If, if you've got two, two, um, two split families, so second marriage and someone inherits the house and then they die a month later, only their estate's going to receive the benefit, the benefit of that. If they haven't willed in the other kids or the other grandkids or whatever the case may be. So you want to make sure that 
the wills are adjusted. Once you amalgamate that, those two families, you've got to adjust your will accordingly or set up a trust agreement. So I've talked about the trust agreement before, but uh, can't stress it enough that the when especially when you have a blended family, you want to make sure there's a trust agreement or change the wills for sure. And what and what can also happen is these results can greatly change if the order of them passing away changes. For example, if he passes away first versus her, the, the results are very, very different. And a lot of people don't realize that unless the, the I's have been dotted and the T's crossed. Yeah. yeah. And we definitely look at both sides. And that's a great point because there's not just because one spouse is older than the other doesn't mean that's the order. It's likely the order, but it yeah. doesn't mean it happens that way. So, yeah, you know what? It's kind of interesting. The worst scenario, though, is when the beneficiaries are counting on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're counting on it for their own retirement plan. Yes. And that's the worst because we always, when we create a retirement plan, the moral of the story, so to speak, is create your own financial independence. Right. Okay. Do it yourself and consider an inheritance a bonus. And if you look at it that way, it's, it's certainly a lot less stressful. Okay. And you'll have, and if it does happen to be some shenanigans going on, you also have the money to take them to court. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Good point. <laughs> so, but yeah, talking about trust um, when you're leaving wills, um, going to, uh, you know, the kids. Well, if there's a sizable amount of money and, and these days, you know, look at that price of houses, you know, having a $2 million home is not absurd anymore. It's still a very high value home. Yeah. But split between two kids, that's a million dollars each. If you don't specify an age in the will, you imagine some kid at 18 getting a million bucks right now. Great point. Great point. <laughs> okay. yep. And I and we always recommend, okay, maybe graduate, you know, maybe they get something for school, uh, maybe in trust until they're 25. And I uh, and quite frankly, we've had we've seen some wills where we looked at so much at 25, so much at 30, and even so much at 35. And this also protects against if they become married or common law. And because you don't really want your estate to go to uh, an ex, uh, ex spouse. Mm. Okay. Mm. So, and then also one last thing on, on the will is what about charitable giving? You know, and we talk about it again and intentions are all good, but let's put it in place. So if you really are, and that's important to you. So this comes in the first conversation, where does this play a role? And should you give more now? Could, could you create a foundation while you're alive? Or do you put it in your will? I would like to leave X amount of assets to what, whatever great charity that you would like to leave it to. And that's also part of the tax plan too. So it's, you know, it, it, it fulfills your need um, if, that you would feel at peace if X amount of dollars goes to a certain charity. Again, everybody's different. Okay. But for a lot of people, this is extremely important. And so that we look at that avenue too and set this up properly when you can actually do it. So again, all these things, it all comes down to have a full, total, holistic financial plan. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. 
Another quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Jay Llewellyn from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, it was quite a um, a lengthy couple of breaks there on the one segment, which but it's pretty important on wills, and we should stress that if anybody wants any of this information, what do we need to do to get it from you guys? Simply email us or give us a call and we will send this wealth transfer guide a soft copy. We'll just email it to you. It's a very informative. So certainly don't feel free to reach out. And, and again, we can't stress enough of how common this all is. As you said, Don, the stories are different, but the end is the same. Uh, all right, well, let's move on. Savers and or borrowers market. Which is it, Jay? Yeah, so, you know, interest rates are the the flavor of the the week that just passed the 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 bank of canada just came out last week and they stabilized rates or for the time being and experts are saying that a drop is coming not saying when it's going to come but you know the the recent uh the collapse of that bank in the states is is kind of spurred things i think and it may may accelerate uh how fast they drop rates really um, so yeah i think so it might be so it just uh, Don and I are the eternal optimists uh, with our with our occupation. We have to be optimists, and and we realize that uh, interest rates aren't going to stay the way they are forever. Um, but they're steady right now at four and a half percent. April twelfth is the next update. Uh, the next I think Jay, that actually we're just realists. Well, that, <laughs> I was, you know what? That's my notes here. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> we're eternal optimists, but we're also realists. Um, so yeah, so April 12th, the next prediction comes out or the next uh, announcement comes out. So to make make a prediction today of what's going to happen, um, we don't know. There's so many factors that play a role. I'm just going to, today, I'm just going to go through what, what factors actually play a role um, from a broad perspective. There's lots of factors that the Bank of Canada comes up with, um, whether you wakes up on the right side of the bed or not, or is another reason. But the four the four factors that really come into play, um, whether they're going to adjust interest rates or not, um, number one is inflation. So that's that's a flavor of the month as well. A lot of people are very aware of what's going on with inflation. Uh, the cost of goods has gone up. So people are aware. So that's a number one component of why the Bank of Canada is moving the rate up and down. Uh, January, we were at 5.9%. That was down uh, from 6.3 in December. And then at the high, we were at 8.1 in June. So with the government reducing the rates or, or stabilizing the rates, um, they were raising rates to get inflation under control. And now that we're seeing inflation come down the other way, they've, they've, they're kind of holding, holding pace for the time being to see what's going to happen with, with inflation. So their ideal target is 2 to 3%. Um, February number will be released on March 21st. So it, if you want to get a little head start on what's going on or how how the Bank of Canada is reacting, on March 21st, they come out with the, the new inflation rate, and that'll give you a, a better look or a closer eye on what, what's going on or what, what the Bank of Canada is doing. Um, the unemployment rate. 
uh, unemployment, it causes uh, a lot of stress on the environment or on the uh, the economy. Uh, right now, it's at 5% unemployment, which some people are saying that's zero unemployment based on based on people not working or people that are that could be working that just decide not to work. Um, so uh, jobless rate, as that increases, this, this shows uh, a weakening of the economy. Um, and lower rates generally generally follow with that. So if you're if you're watching the employment rate as well, that's something that you can keep an eye on just to see what's going to go go on with um, with interest rates. Wages that's that's the other or the third third thing that comes up. So they go hand in hand with inflation usually. So as wages increase, so last year over year, January to January, um, we're looking at a four point five percent year over year raise in in wages. Um, this is a pro for employees, not so much for employers, um, but puts money in in the pockets of these employees. So you've got a wage raise. Um, that means they're spending more money. Most Canadians spend what they make. Um, Don and I, again, sitting down with clients all the time, we they you, you get a raise and you spend it. Um, it's the same thing. If your wages have gone up four and a half percent, inflation's come into play. So you've got to spend that money anyway. It's not that you're just spending it willy nilly, but you, you've got to spend more money. So just the fact that wages have gone up that much is just covering, not even covering inflation at this point. So um, back in November, wages were up 5.8% uh, year over year. So more a, a rise in, in in wages generally increases inflation. So as wages start to come down, or as they're not increasing as much, uh, less money is being spent, which will also hopefully reduce inflation, um, reducing those those interest rates. So um, again, put yourself ahead of the curve a little bit. And if you can see what's going on with uh, with inflation, unemployment rate, unemployment rate and wages, you can get a good idea what's going to happen with, with, um, with the interest rate. The other thing is GDP. This is a uh, this is based on our economic output for our country. So gross domestic product is what it stands for. Um, in the last quarter of 2022, it was left unchanged. So if GDP is going up, it so shows the signs of the economy doing well. Um, employment uh, is increasing because if if the economy is doing well, businesses are doing well. They've they've got more supply that they've got to put into the market, so they're hiring more people or they're increasing output. So as they hire more, the demands uh, for these employers to put more product out, they've got to hire more people, maybe increase wages, put, again, putting more money in the pocket of Canadians, which is enabling to, them to spend more, which is also increasing inflation. So all of those factors put together, each one of them has their their element of of uh, of decision of how the Bank of Canada raises or, or doesn't raise. Um, but these four factors give you a good glimpse of how the Bank of Canada looks into their crystal ball and figures out what, what they're going to do with the interest rates. So um, if, I, if I'm going to give my prediction of what's going to go on in the interest rates, um, it's completely rem because I don't know what the, the results of those four factors are, but I said it's going to change in the near future. <laughs> well, Don, well, what do you think? <laughs> wow, or it could be no change. Well, oh, I yes. said it's going to change. I say it's going to change. Oh, okay. There, there, you, go. Go. there you go. <laughs> That's pretty good. What the heck? What more do you need? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, we are yeah. planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. 
You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Another break here, and we're back for our last segment. Hang on. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Don, we've talked about this many times, and I guess every situation is different, but uh, uh, your Canada pension plan, when do you take it? Early, late? Do you invest it? What do you do? You know what? There was a great article um, not long ago on the Globe. Uh, So suggesting should you take the cpp out early and invest it and it went through a lot of the details and a lot of things like you said scott we have talked about over the years but again it it seems to be that there's still so much misinformation and almost peer pressure on this topic when they're talking to friends and colleagues and it's almost like take it out early then it's almost like there's a party going on it's a club you want to take it out early and spend it and enjoy life and and you know and and that may be the answer but again it's usually not done with a pen and, and paper to decide should you take it or shouldn't you take it. And that's what, you know, Jay and I and, and our whole team do. Does it make sense to take it early or or not? And so interesting, the research shows that only 1%, actually less than 1%, wait till 70 to start taking out your Canada pension plan. Hmm. And that is the latest you can defer it to. Now, you know, many choose to take the funds sooner because maybe they need the money. That actually is shows statistically like the, the poverty rate actually goes down at 60. So therefore, people are taking it out at 60 because they definitely need the money. But others say, well, maybe I won't live that long. And, uh, and, I, you know, and that might be the case. Maybe there's uh, some limited lifespan and that makes sense to take it out earlier. Again, these are the types of things that we discuss. Um, others say, well, I can invest the money and do better. Huh, maybe, maybe not. Quite, quite ac- at the end of the day, it's really not always about the math. You have to also look at the risk tolerance. Should you take out the money and invest it? Well, if you are taking out the Canada Pension Plan, it is taxable. Okay, so you're paying tax on it. And a lot of these people considering taking it out at 60 are actually not, they're still working. And they could be paying a lot of income tax on this Canada Pension Plan. So there's another avenue. Well, then I can put it in my RSP. And that is true. That is another option. And work through those numbers because then you take out the Canada Pension Plan you don't pay tax on it because it's going into the RSP. Well, then later on, you do have to pay the tax on that Canada pension plan, albeit it might be at a lower rate. But again, work out the calculations. So 60 is the earliest age that you can pull out the Canada pension plan and you will take a 36% hit. So if you were getting $1,000 a month at 65, you're going to get $640 a month at 60. Okay, so that's... That's a fairly big hit, in my opinion. And it is, by the way, the most popular choice by Canadians is to take it at 60. Really? Yes. Hmm. And, and this is what... And this well, is well a- the majority of these people are still working. So they're in a higher tax bracket. Right. Yeah. And this is a, a report, a 2020 report. So a very current report by the Toronto Metropolitan University National Institute of Aging and also Financial Planner a financial planning Canadian Research Foundation. So it's it's the average Canadian takes it at 60 
versus waiting till age 70 can lose more than $100,000 of secure, worry-free retirement income that lasts for the rest of their life and keeps up with inflation, hmm. which is a big topic right now. As Jay was just talking with it, you know, with the interest rates, you know, been paused in Canada, the whole idea was to combat inflation, which was as high as 8.2%. Last year, I believe the Canada Pension Plan index rate was 6.4%. So that is helping. Now, how about your investments? How did they do last year? I can actually tell you, they probably didn't do well last year. And so those that were delaying their Canada Pension Plan, um, it's nice to have that worry-free, secure index pension. And I would liken it to a government pension that is an index pension, like the teachers or police officers or nurses, what have you, who have these pensions. It's not too dissimilar to that. So and the interesting part is two-thirds of Canadians don't even realize that deferral is an option. Mm -hmm. For some people, they actually think they, they have to take it at 60 because so many of the friends that took it at 60. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then those at 65 didn't realize they can defer it till 70. So it's, it's really interesting to kind of work through the numbers. So what I did actually is if you take it, say, well, 60 versus 65, the break-even point would be 74. Okay, so if you didn't invest it, you 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 would get $640 a month versus waiting until 65 and got 1000 a month. Now, those are hypothetical. Right now, you can get about 1300 a month if you got the maximum at 65. But just as an example here, so if you saved all that money into just your bank account, pay the tax on it, well, and again, I didn't even take tax into consideration, you'd have $38,400. Well, obviously, you're going to have less than that because you have to pay between 20 and 50% tax on that CPP. And so by investing it, you could also say, I'm going to put it into a tax-free savings account and I can make 6%. Well, again, you have to pay the tax, but assuming there was no tax, which is a terrible assumption, you'd end up with about 45,000. Well, it still works out that 81 is the break-even point. And I can guarantee it's not 81, it's less than that. Because even if you invest it, it would, it would would you have to pay tax on it. So you'd probably be about 76 is really the, the point here. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the whole point of, will you be disciplined to put it away every month? Okay. And, and I, when you have five years to put that money away like a machine without ever being tempted to touching it, um, I, I would question that for the first for two reasons. One is if you say, I'll just put it in my TFSA. Well, why didn't you put money in the TFSA before? Because generally mm -hmm. speaking, those people aren't good savers in the first place. So these, a lot of the times, these are rationalizations rather than well thought through planning techniques that make sense for you. And so generally speaking, I like to look at all the avenues and what makes sense for not only you, but your spouse and the family and looking forward as if you're going to live to 100. And that's the best idea as to, in terms of the, the bigger picture. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. A pretty enlightening show, gentlemen, considering the topics of choice, but uh, <laughs> incredibly informative. There you go. Have a Thank great you. week, everybody.
Have a great, Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.